in the bus. It is International Podcast Day, Wednesday, September 30th. I am Paul Spohr, joined as always on Tuesdays, but now Wednesdays because we moved it, uh, by Eno Saris. Eno, how's it going? Hey, is it uh, National Podcast Day? It is. National or international, I don't know, but I, I said international. Either way, it's podcast day, and I suggested maybe we move the podcast from Tuesday to Wednesday just because it's podcast day, and we're not covering anything today that people must have in their grubby little paws to implement today in their fantasy league, so we pushed it a day. It worked out better for both of our schedules, and now we're podcasting on podcast day. And what have we come to talk about? You know, we've come to talk about pitchers. We told you we'd talk a lot about that, but we're going to be negative today. We're talking about things that went wrong, guys that went wrong, really. Five guys we've got. Actually got a couple more who could get tacked on, but five for all intents and purposes right now, headliners, uh, who you know were well thought of this year. I kind of used well thought of. The cutoff was top 40 starter uh, by, by ADP, and I used Fantasy Pro's average draft position. They accumulate uh, six different websites and create a number. It's a pretty good number. So guys within the top 40 who you know really failed against expectations. Um, and again, kind of a vague term, but you'll get it. I'll, I'll mention where they currently are among starting pitchers uh, compared to their ADP, and we'll just dive right in. First off, disclaimer. We've talked Jeff Samarja and Julio Tehran to death, so they're done. We know what went wrong. <laughs> we've they're diagnosed dead. them. We've <laughs> put them back, you know, uh, when you're in the morgue, uh, you put them back on that roll or we're back into the freezer. We've stuck their 2015 seasons back into the freezer. We're done with it. But now we're going to diagnose and discuss these five guys who, you know, we've obviously talked about but haven't really deep dove in terms of what went wrong. And I want to start with somebody I had high hopes for this year. I don't know exactly where you came out on him. I don't remember. But Andrew Kashner was somebody I thought could have a breakout season. And uh, he, he absolutely did not. He, he regressed. I would have obviously taken even a repeat of last year when he had the great ERA but didn't quite have the strikeout rate and only threw 123 innings. Even with the cutoff innings, I would have rather had that season than the one he's given us this year. Kashner is 6-15, and 15, which, you know, is not a clear indication of how he pitched, but it, it's not an awful one either. So he didn't even get the Ws, 421 ERA, uh, 142 whip. The strikeouts went up, something we wanted and expected, but not even to the level that we expected, and and they weren't enough to uh, erase the other damage. 158 in about 180 innings for Kashner. The 28-year-old did not have a breakout, even though, you know, if I told you at the beginning of the year, you know, he's going to make 30 starts, maybe 31. I think he starts once this week. Uh, you would have been pretty ecstatic. I said, here's the one thing I'll guarantee you. 31 starts. Now, what do you think the stats will be? I think you would have probably painted a pretty rosy picture. What went wrong? What went wrong with Andrew Kashner this year? You know, I think that, I think what's so hard with Andrew Kashner is that there's no uh, there's no one thing to really look at. Like especially if you look at like his pitching mix. You know, he threw a little bit fewer four seams. You know, a couple more curves. There's no there's no like, oh look, he doesn't trust his changeup anymore. You know, there's no. Um, there's no like sort of, and if you go over to whip percentage, actually, you know, he's, he, he, he still has that, that nice thing where you have like a good slider and a good changeup, right? Like last year he had 17% whiff rate on the changeup, 18% whiff rate on the slider. That was something I liked about him this year. They're a little bit lower, but 15% on the change, 17% on the slider. I don't think that like that 1% change in whiff rate on those two is what had sunk his season. No. And, you know, it's really difficult to look at that and say, 
what if his secondary stuff is just more average than we thought? You know, what if, I don't know what it is. I mean, also his fastball is getting spanked. And, yeah. you know, what if, uh, what if his fastball, you know, is, is straighter than we thought? I, I was going to say, that's probably what it is because the velocity is still there. It's actually up half a tick on average this year. He, he, Cashner regularly sits in the mid nineties, but it seems to be most devastating when he dials it down a little bit and it gets that wiggle and, and, you know, he can, he can really do damage with that two seamer, both with the ground ball rate that we've seen in the past that has kind of dissipated this year and even with, uh, with strikeouts, but the strikeouts are up. I don't think it's due to the four seamer necessarily. It's his, it's his secondary stuff. I don't know why his fastball is getting so crushed. He, he obviously isn't commanding it as well, but uh, it seems to have straightened out on him too. I know another thing, about Cashner last year when you're looking maybe at uh, the walk rate spike because he's walking a full batter more uh, per nine innings this year, going from 2-1 to 3-2. To and from a percentage standpoint, you're talking about from 6% to 8% uh, for Cashner. One thing is last year he led – I think he led all pitchers in um, called strikes by, by rate – in terms of on the corners, I should say. So close called strikes. And when I say by rate, that's because obviously he only pitched 123 innings. So if you're talking about on a per inning basis, Kashner was way up there getting a lot of called strikes. And this year he's, he's much more mediocre. So I don't know what the cause necessarily is uh, there. You know what the cause is. You know what the cause is. Yasmani Grandal is the cause. I mean, from Grandal to Norris, you're right. And, and Norris hedges. I know it's a combo, but either way. Well, you know, Hedges is good, and uh, some, you know, some of Cashner's better starts came with Hedges behind the plate. And uh, you know, I had um, a conversation with Cashner uh, early in the season where um, he told me a couple things which are totally relevant to what we're talking about now. He said, uh, "I'm throwing the four seamer more uh, because I'm not getting the backdoor calls on the two seamer." Uh, and when I said, "Does that have something to do with going?" and this is some inside baseball here. When I said, "Does that?" Has nothing to do with going from Yasmani Grandal to Derek Norris. He said no comment, which I did not publish. Wow. Uh, but uh, he definitely – I did publish a piece about how the, change, the the framing had changed and how it meant more four-seamers. He said, I'm trying to blow it by them instead of uh, you know getting these calls. So but it isn't working. That did not work. That, And I think that it's a cascade effect a little bit with the walks, the homers. You know, When we think about framing, we don't necessarily think about uh, – homers but um i do think that you get into worse counts if you don't get the if you don't get the one one uh strike and, and it becomes two one then you're in a worse position right absolutely uh and uh so i do think that uh some of that has to do with that now a, a little part here is that uh for a guy with great velocity and decent strikeout rate a 323 babbit is pretty bad and we've kind of moved beyond um, you know, just looking at Babip and, and calling him unlucky in, in fantasy analysis these days. But I would say that that is somewhat attributable to uh, bad defense behind him. I'm not, I don't really respect uh, Amarista as a shortstop. Um, Jericho's okay. Um, and I want to, I'm going to do a, a little search here, but I would just say, just on the face of it, personally, uh, I do not think that's good uh, infield defense. Uh, so, Tell me if this is uh, how significant this even is. I don't know if the numbers are even significant enough, but I'm looking again at called strikes on the black, and that's whatever this stat system I'm using considers on the black. But um, he had about three 
just over three per start last year in his 19 starts, and he's down to 2.4 this year. So it's about a half per start. Probably not. I mean, it's not enough to explain the walk situation, but I think when you look at the whole picture, when you see that number and it kind of leads you down the path of what you were talking about with Kashner maybe not loving his new catcher setup, I think we could start to get to a bigger picture where maybe he was pitching differently and that caused some of this walk rate to spike and, and some of the ball, uh, some of the hitting to get hammered. I mean, spike up to 9.6 hits per nine. The one home run per nine is, is double what he was last year. Again, some of that's defense, but some of that is a change in approach that he doesn't seem to have been comfortable with. Yeah, and, you know, another thing I didn't print uh, was that Austin Hedges was, uh, was listening to our conversation uh, and he sort of yelled over, I'll get you those strikes, Cash. So, um, you know, I think there is some hope in that sort of in, in hedges. Mm-hmm, uh, absolutely. I think there's going to be a lot of turnaround. I, I found what I was looking for here a little bit. Uh, the, the Babbitt behind um, the Padres starters this year is 306. That's the seventh worst number in baseball. Um, and, you know, it's unfair to the Rockies to even include them in lists like this that's that we're true. talking about. You know, it's sixth worth in baseball. It's a little weird to see the Pirates, um, you know, second worst with a 313 with all the shifting they do. But, um, you know, there's, so there's, there is some year-to-year variance in here. Um, but, um, you know, the Angels, the Rays are, are primarily down there. So, you know, having having the uh, Padres on the wrong side, it's the 306 is, you know, what every starter got. And, and, and Kashner got 323. So a little bit of uh, team factors in a lot of ways that are hard to predict for next year. You know, it's like hard, kind of hard to say, is Hedges going to play more? Is that, uh, what are they going to do with that? Are they going to trade Norris? So I think, um, I think a lot of the stuff that you're looking for, if you're a cash owner owner or want to invest in the next year, a lot of the stuff you're looking for is team factors. Look at what they do um, with that, with that infield, what they do with Norris, what they do in trades um, and, and try to, you know, do the math behind it. You know, it's still a lot of velocity it's still that nice, um, that nice sort of uh, change up in slider. Even if the the curve isn't that great, uh, even if they got, I mean, really, this is the the thing. Also, is they got his pitches got spanked this year. Just I mean, got a, trashed. I mean, like I said, almost ten hits per nine innings and a I, full homer per nine. Yeah, double from what he was. The isolated power against. So the four scene last year had a .090. Uh, um, ISO, ISO last year. That's that's great. That's that's, that's what you expect from a 95 mile an hour guy. This year, 0. 0.117. Okay, so that's up a little bit. The sinker went from 0. 0.112 to 0. 0.147. 147 is like above league average. So, and so that's why that I think throwing, th- those two pitches he's throwing the most, and he's getting almost league average ISO out of his fastballs. His changeup 265 ISO up from 240. <laughs> His slider, which has gotten under 100 ISOs uh, for three years running, got a 123. And his curve, he decided to throw it more, 417 ISO. So Maybe stop throwing the curve. Well, yeah. Yeah, I think the curve, it's pretty slow, and he must maybe he telegraphs it or something. Uh, I think it should just be like a called strike, 0-0 type pitch, and uh, otherwise not use it too much because, um, you know, it's, it's not doing well. So you know, once they made contact, you know, maybe what happened was he got into bad counts. He got more predictable, and you know, people just saw all this stuff coming. And, Absolutely. You know, he he didn't know how to get out of it. Probably the best thing that he had going for him was to just rear back and 
and um, and try to throw the four seam by them like you told me. But uh, I, it's not really a good a good plan in the major leagues. Though. No, it's re- it's really not. And I think another thing that kind of contributes both to the team defense situation or mostly to the team defense situation is the drop in ground ball rate again too. Uh, if you're not trusting your infield defense, you're not going to be looking to get the ball on the ground over 50% of the time the way he had been doing consistently uh, for the past couple of years, 48 last year, 47 this year. So not a sharp drop, but again, kind of continuing to drop. Yeah. All right. So uh, for Kashner, he was drafted as the 39th starter off the board. And he has a player rate of ranking now among starters of 129. So he's the 129th best starter, according to ESPN's player rater this year. That's pretty brutal. Um, that's probably the biggest split uh, that we have among guys drafted in the top 40. You I know, mean, that's top, top 40 to unusable. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you didn't feel comfortable putting him out there against anybody at any real-time venue didn't matter i mean he wasn't exemplary at home cashner had a 353 era at home that's better but still a 132 whip is garbage so just a weird season i'll reinvest again next year though not as heavily as i did this year next up is alex wood and he was the 26th pitcher off the board and he's sitting just 81st among starters right now so a, a pretty steep drop for him as well this was a guy i've had a hard time buying in on Thought after last year, you know what, maybe I was wrong. Started to kind of, you know, be less aggressive about saying it's not good. Uh, I still wasn't drafting him, and and thankfully not, though, because thankfully I didn't completely turn around, because if I drafted him, I'd be stuck with a 389 ERA for 183 innings and just a 6-7 strikeout per nine rate after nine uh, that he held for his first two seasons in the league. Obviously, that first season was mostly spent in the bullpen. So what went wrong with uh, Alex Wood and and does it have hope for getting better in your estimation? I think there's a little bit more of a uh, sort of a cookie trail to to follow, but I I almost feel – you know, less um, a cookie trail. What the hell am I talking about? The, uh, you know, like a you know, there's there's more clues to what's going on here. I mean, he's got a dropping arm slot, um, and that's affected the movement on his curve, and it's affected his results on the curve. Um, and so it's cut, you know, and the dropping arm slot has to be related to his crazy ass uh, <laughs> Tasmanian yeah. Devil mechanics. That's what uh, Doug called, Doug Thorburn. Yeah the Tasmanian devil. That's exactly what he is. Yeah. And you know, um, the curve has, uh, become like harder and, uh, you know, has less drop now. Um, so it's kind of more sideways. Uh, actually it just, it has less movement in general, just less drop, less. It's like a zero, zero pitch now. And last year it was a minus five, minus five. So, you know, it's like fundamentally different. I think that has to do with his with his um, his release point dropping. I mean, his release point has dropped since he came into the league uh, three quarters of a foot. Wow, that seems so, really substantial. Yeah. So, 
you know, and, and I asked him about it and he said, maybe, I don't know. And like, that just, it just doesn't give me uh, a good feeling. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it, it, it's concerning with Wood. Obviously, they already cut, the Dodgers already cut one of the two guys they got that, in that deal with Matt Latos going by the wayside. They're obviously not going to cut Wood. He's 25. And even for as bad as this season has been against expectations, you know, ERA rose over a full run from 278 last year to 389 this year, uh, 137 whip. I mentioned the, the strikeout rate one, that equaled 135 in his 183 innings for Wood, 11 W's match last year, which is fine. You know, if, if you're kind of in the double digit wins, you're just kind of fine. Obviously, it only really starts to matter if you're like a Kluber who only gets eight when his team expected at least, you know, 13, 14. Uh, even though we know you can't predict wins, I still think. Tell me worst case scenario for Kluber. You would have said, I don't know, 14 and 13 or something. You know, he makes a lot of decisions and the team isn't that good. So he ends up 14 and 13. But no, uh, he was 8 and 16. Uh, Woods 11. It's whatever. So, you know, this didn't murder your season necessarily uh, if, if you took the beating that Wood had. But it was a big disappointment for somebody that was, you know, creeping toward the top 20. There's a lot of guys out there uh, with a lot of people who have teams who definitely drafted him in the top 20. I, I, I you know, when you're 26, that means you're going a bit higher sometimes, a bit lower others. I get that. Um, and I think people were overdrafting Wood, and it, it's kind of played out that way. How do you feel about Wood long term? I mean, that's that's I mean, you're talking about that promise and the, the fact that, you know, last year he had a 17 percent whiff rate on the change and a 16 percent whiff rate on the curve. Both great numbers. He still has a 17 percent whiff rate on the curve. The change has gotten worse, which is kind of weird because it's the curve that's changed shape. Exactly. So, with the, with the you, know, slot. you know, and, just, uh, you know, in terms of usage sinker curve change you know it hasn't really changed much in terms of usage uh it's just uh you know just not and you know something has to, there's some of it has to do with um approaches i think you know i wrote once that he was throwing too low in the um uh, in the strike zone and uh his stuff actually gets good results whether or not it's in um uh whether or not it's in the zone Oh, and that's interesting. So, so I mean, he he fools guys, and I'm sure a lot of that. That's the plus side of that delivery. I think that is. You know, I think that's a. I think that is a good sign for him because uh, that, that and that would say to me, hey, let's bring up that average location into the zone a little bit. You know, let's throw some of that stuff in the zone because you get good whiffs on it either way. Um, let's work on that arm slot. Um, you know, and he said that nobody's ever tried to change him. I think if you have a bad season like this, you know, then they start coming to you about, uh, about changes. Espe and, you especially know, after, doctor. sorry, as I say, especially after such a good one last year. Yeah, and yeah. you know, the Dodgers want to reclaim their value and uh, and 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 try to find the old Alex Wood in there, and they can they can show him that his slot has changed. Maybe they don't do it right away when he first gets with with the team. You know, that Maybe was it's one an thing off season thing. Yeah, that's one thing Brian McCann told me. He said that the key he's a really good game caller by the game calling stat that came out. And um Brian McCann told me that you can't you can't come and be like, Hey, you know, you gotta do this better, or do this more, do this or whatever. You know, like that's that that'll put the pitchers on their on their heels. Uh they won't you won't have a good relationship. What you do is you first you come to them, you talk about what they do well, you talk about taking advantage of their strengths. 
Um, and then, you know, once you get to know each other better, you start to tweak them a little bit. So that makes total yeah. sense. It you watch like- what Can did with with uh, with uh, Evaldi. I think is exactly what you know Grandal needs to do. I don't know if Grandal has that same um, awareness of the relationship, but McCann took uh, Evaldi, who you know was trying to find the split finger, the correct way to throw the split finger. And, you know, sometimes McCann didn't call any split fingers in a game and was kind of, you know, sometimes it was 10, sometimes it was was zero. And he was kind of, he was letting Eovaldi sort of inch his way into throwing that split finger. And now you look at the final, you know, couple of few starts that Eovaldi did, you know, it was, uh, you know, half split fingers. Exactly. It was something that he was really starting to to get comfortable using. It still wasn't getting the best results, but the comfort level has really evolved. That's a great point. That's that's great stuff on McCann in terms of the relationship. It is so important. You can't even if you see something that's kind of clear, you can't first thing start critiquing. You know, you got to fix this, that, and the other. Oh, nice to meet you too. Especially with with Wood going to the Dodgers. So maybe it's an off season thing. They let him kind of do his thing. Uh, this year, whatever they can, he can get, uh, he can give them, and then in the off season, maybe the Dodgers approach Wood with some suggestions on on how to better uh, get back to that 2014 level. I'd but, draft him. I mean, I would. It sounds like we'd both draft him as like sort of a final pitcher, uh, you know, um, a possibility, uh, maybe in in NL only, like a third or fourth pitcher. Yes, he'll be, he'll be someone that's kind of forgotten, and you'll look on the board and say, oh, Alex Wood is still there. I mean, we still are talking about a guy who has a, a sub-three season under his belt for 171 innings with a strikeout per inning. That's, that's not too shabby. So, yeah, I, right. I would take that chance when the price lowers. It was, it was the price that really had me uh, off of him this year. Again, 26th off the board and now 81st among starters. Let's jump over to Gio Gonzalez. And incidentally, we've gotten uh, we've gone three NLers in a row right now. We've got at least one ALer, and then one of our tag on guys is an AL guy that we want to get to. So we'll probably cover six. Jordano, uh, or excuse me, Jordano Ventura's next. Gio Gonzalez is first. Gio Gonzalez, 29th off the board, 85th. Very similar to Alex Wood in terms of in terms of his split. But a guy who you had even more faith in, or at least I did. I, I shouldn't say you, as if I'm talking telling you that you did. But uh, that people drafting might have had a little bit more confidence in that the floor was a little bit safer because Wood was still a little bit of an unknown. But uh, And again, the, didn't bottom out here, but uh, that whip is disastrous. That's the real killer for Gio Gonzalez. 144 this year. That's up from 120 last year. I mean, that, that almost alone makes him unrosterable, I, I think, because it's so difficult to come back from something like that. So even though he's done enough to kind of be 85th, uh, I think the real perceived ranking might even be lower. 393 ERA, uh, 170 innings with 162 strikeouts. Strikeouts were down. That's a career worst for him. Actually, pardon me, second uh, worst. Back in Oakland 2010, he only fanned 7.7. But uh, obviously it was a disaster season for the Nationals altogether. The fact that they're going home next week um, is is the big deal. But uh, – they got, you know, almost a full season out of Geo, and, and it just didn't happen here. What, what's up with the 29-year-old lefty? You know, I think he had a good season, actually. I think this is a case where you look beyond um, a lot of the things on the top, and you look, you look below and you say, you know what, this isn't so bad. Um, even, even when you, this is sort of surprising. So he, I actually talked to him and didn't, didn't print the, uh, because he didn't really give me enough for an article, but 
Uh, I asked him about the sinkers because he's he's obviously switched from uh, four. He kind of flipped his four seam and sinker usage. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, I asked him about that, and he kind of just shrugged and said, "You know, I do what the catcher says." And then he also said, "You know, I've been now in the National League East for a while, and uh, pe- people know who I am. People know what I'm doing. So this is me being different." And you know, in terms of ground ball rate, fine. You know, how many pitchers are there out there right now that had, uh, you know, almost a strikeout per inning, 10% whiffs, and uh, a ground ball rate over 50%? Not many. And, um, you it's know, a good his, combo. his command, you know, his command got a little bit worse, but it his command has never been great. And he just, uh, you know, if you look at everything but the BABIP, everything but the ERA and whip, you see a good pitcher and there was a little bit of an injury concern, but you know, then you, so like uh, I flipped over to isolated power against just, just to see if people were like, you know, hitting it hard and, and ISO is flawed and these are balls and play results, but we're trying to get at why he has that 349 Babbitt this year. And, you know, four seam ISO 0.099. Sinker ISO 0.119, changeup ISO 0.080, curve ISO 0.086. So he's not, you know, they're not spanking it. That's you know, true. It's not, it's not, they're not spanking it. Now think about the defense behind him. I was uh, going to say that next. Yeah. I mean, it was in flux was a big deal, too, was the fact that they're cycling pieces around on an almost daily basis, uh, not just the the injured pieces cycling in and out, but even the guys playing, you know, Escobar here one day, Danny Espinosa here the other day, Desmond was pretty firmly at short, but then he's fumbling the ball over the joint and it it wasn't hitting. So he's getting an off day. We'll put Espinosa at short, we'll put Escobar at short. I mean, just all around Zimmerman in and out of the lineup. You know, guys like Robinson, Clint Robinson, and Tyler Moore bumping in and out. I mean, it was just it, it was kind of a madhouse. And then Anthony Rendon obviously couldn't even get going until very late in the season. So that that explains some of it, but it was also not very good, even even with the guys who were playing right. The Nats defense. Yeah, I mean, I, I've never thought of Desmond as a very good one, um, as a very good uh, defender. And you know, Rendon, I do like as a defender, but. You just, you know, he wasn't there. So, and and I think he might have been. A, I think his defense was still fine for just from the games I watched. You know, a handful of them uh, since he's been back. But he looks a little bit more tentative because he made uh, he he incurred his last injury on a defensive play. And that's just that's pure speculation. Just from what I'm seeing, few plays that you know usually he kind of makes and and, and missed. Um, I would expect that, but I uh, next year well past the injury hopefully he's ready to kind of get back to being top quality defender in addition to a top quality hitter that's rendon so you so you you're you still so, like geo you're, you're still you're still pro geo because i, I love well, I, geo I, the one thing i don't like is that uh he does not fall into the good bins for uh i mean he doesn't for aging he does he throws the curveball a lot um and he uh he doesn't have good i don't think he has good command I would be interested in something, you know, like a guy like Doug Thorborn telling me about his mechanics because we use command, we use walk rates um, to talk about, you know, as a proxy for good command, uh, for Certainly. good mechanics. 
And I don't think that people thought that Gio had good command, uh, good mechanics. Uh, but he's managed to stay healthy for a while. This year we started to see some of the health stuff come in. So I'm a little worried about the innings total. But here's here's a list of the guys that have uh, 50% ground ball rate and more than eight strikeouts per nine. Dallas Keuchel. Love that. Tyson Ross. Felix Hernandez. Jake Arrieta. Carlos Martinez. Carlos Carrasco. Francisco Liriano. Kyle Hendricks. Oh, I didn't. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, eight eight strikeouts per nine. I can't believe he got yeah. a strikeout that high. Eight two two and a fifty one uh, ground ball rate. And that's and then Clayton Kershaw, and we're done. Who's that last guy? I never heard of that. So never. knock off that last scrub that you mentioned, and all the rest of those guys are pretty good. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, no, that that's great company. Um, my only real concern with him going going forward is still, you know, the the walk rate that hampered him. Uh, early in his career, I think it could come back as he as he gets older. You know, yeah, yeah. is it wrong to think that you know when guys when walks are their big issue, they might figure it out for a period, but then as they get to the latter end of their career, they they revert back to that early, uh, early the early walk issues, or is it just different guy to guy? Uh, you know, I think some of it is velocity. Um, so what we you know because if he if he feels at all tentative, right, and he feels yeah you know, a little bit uh, intimidated on any level, then he might uh, start to nibble more. That's a good uh, point. And you'll see the zone rate go down. But um, it hasn't happened yet. The velocity has actually been uh, really nice and steady. Um, and, uh, you know, his hard hit rate hasn't exploded or anything, if, if you believe in that sort of thing. And um, his zone percentage this year was down a little bit. But... Um, not to the point where I would go screaming for the hills. See, and uh, I know. Although lot- you know, actually, pitch FX is a little bit different. I was looking at BIS. Pitch FX, forty-three percent zone, forty-four percent zone, uh, lowest by three percent. Okay. So you know, he definitely nibbled a little bit more. Maybe this. Maybe he's not as good at commanding the sinker as he is at commanding the four seam. He obviously has thrown more four seams over the course of his career. So. You know, that's something to watch. It's something to think about. Um, but this is in terms of like him versus like Alex Wood or something, like he has a longer demonstrated track record of whiffs, strikeouts. Even, you know, even his ground ball rate's been pretty good. I think I'd rather, uh, you know, invest a couple dollars, especially if, if Geo's cheaper. I'd rather have Geo, I think. I 100% agree, and even if Gio was a little bit more expensive, I'd actually be okay with that. Obviously, I'd love it if he came cheaper than Wood, but between those two, I would lean toward Gio. I'm still a Gio Gonzalez fan. I agree with you that once you kind of dig in, you do see a lot more uh, comforting news than the 393 ERA and 144 whip might otherwise lead you to believe uh, at first blush, but he needs to tighten it up a little bit because now we're looking at two years in a row where he's kind of put up these good base skills that you can get excited about, but then underperformed against them. Uh, he's he's got to look, you know, I know some people don't like the, the, the ERA indicators, but they're, they're pretty favorable for him. Um, when you're, when you're looking at, at, at geo 303 FIP last year, 308 this year, even if you round out the home runs, you're still shaving off, almost a half run off of his ERA uh, from, from this year. And then about point point two uh, off of his ERA from last year, which was 357. So I like geo uh, definitely someone I'll keep an eye on next year. We'll see where that price kind of goes. Could be a lot of 
shifting around Washington this year. And even though he doesn't seem like somebody that needs to go, he could be a casualty just if they make a trade where somebody's like, I want, I'm not going to do this unless you can somehow get Geo in there. But I think he's pretty stable. They, he seems to be a great guy off the field, too, uh, from a clubhouse presence standpoint. So in terms of fixing that fractured clubhouse, I'm not sure that getting rid of him would be wise for them. But, uh, again, that's speculation. I don't go in clubhouses like, you well, know. You know I, it, talking to him, he was very uh, deferential. So I think that is a good a good sign. I mean, he's talking about, uh, you know, he trusts his catcher and works with them, you know, works with the coaches. So he was very good at sort of involving everybody and whatever was going in our conversation. So, and yeah, he definitely uh, is not Jason Worth. No, uh, <clears throat> not, not Jason Worth or, or Jonathan Papelbon. Geo's awesome. Seems like a good guy. Uh, I already gave away the next guys. It is Jordano Venture. I mentioned uh, briefly. He was the 34th pitcher off the board. He's sitting 69th. So again, not a, not a earth shattering end of the world kind of situation in terms of where he ranks. I, I think that's, I think a lot of that though, uh, is probably what his, his strikeout rate. Cause I was actually surprised he was even still that high on ESPN's player rater this year, but, uh, they, they still, they still favored him at, at 69th. I think the wins give him, give him a good value to the wins and the strikeouts, um, as far as their player rater goes, but your Donald venture 420 ERA 131 whip, Strikeouts up a little bit from 7.8 to 8.3. That equaled out to 145 in 156 innings. He was sent down briefly. It didn't end up really being a stint down in Omaha because uh, he had to be called back up right away for injury. But again, it was that jarring thing of, whoa, this can be taken away from me. I was I was on top of the world. What happened here? And, you know, since coming back, he's been a, he's been a much better pitcher. He left with a uh, 519 or excuse me, a 473 ERA. He came back and he's put up a 375. So he shaved off about a run, 87 strikeouts in his 84 innings since returning. That's 14 starts for Ventura. So, you know, when, close. When, when- when was that? When was that uh, that return day? Re- it's really re- kind of hard to find. He returned the- on the tw- on the 20th. Uh, that he had a 10. Oh. Uh, actually, you know what? No, that would have been the All Star break. So no, it would have been the 9th that he returned. Of July. Yes. And so from that point on, he had, he's had a 384 with 91 strikeouts in 89 innings. Either way, still closing on, on a better note than he started. But I'm still curious about Yordano Venture. Remember, it's ages ago. It almost feels like it was last year, but it was early in the season when this guy was starting to fight every other week, it seemed. And, you know, or, or the Royals were getting in, in tussles every other week, and he seemed to be in the center of it. Where do you currently stand with, with Yordano Ventura? What went wrong? What kept him from improving upon last year uh, when he had a 320 ERA, although he had the same 130 whip? Um, you know, Sullivan has a good piece about why he doesn't strike out, why uh, Ventura doesn't strike out people. I think it's a little bit about uh, straight fastball and um, and and sort of extension and deception, showing the ball uh, for a long time. People see the ball well off of him, even though it's it's high velocity. Um, and you know, maybe there's a little bit there about um, a pitch beyond. Um, his curve, uh, other than his two fastballs, you know, the changeup, you know, earlier in his career had, um, had some better whiff rates. Uh, and this year, you know, has, uh, has, has fallen off a little bit. Um, let me see that. I have, by the way, 
Let me jump in on something with, with Ventura. I botched that whole situation with when he was called up and sent down. First off, there's an injury situation here. Remember, he had a, he had a DL stint. That's what covers the gap from mid-June to about mid-July. The demotion was literally like 24 hours because of Jason right. Vargas' injury. So that point is actually since July 26th. And so then to re-update the numbers for about the 12th time because I keep messing up, 326 ERA, 80 strikeouts in 80 innings. That's 13 starts, 8-1 and record. Obviously, a lot of that is the, is the team dominating. But he's been great. Uh, only two dud starts within there, a couple of shaky ones. But two duds uh, looks like about two, like what I would call mediocre. And then the other nine have been really good, including two 11 strikeout performances. So he's been much better, again, since kind of getting past the injury and the brief demotion, which, again, I think had more impact just because look what you could lose as opposed to obviously it didn't. He didn't have to really suffer through it. He just had to get the wake-up call of, yes, this could be gone if you continue to post a 519 ERA, which is what he had when he was sent down. I, you know, I think there's there's a couple different things here, and I, they both make me feel good. Um, one thing is uh, his curve and his four-seam just got harder. His curve and his fastballs just got harder in July. For Ventura, so, okay. Yeah, and I think that that could be related to um, – Health, you know, or, or, you know, fire under his ass. One of the two. Um, so, you know, I, I would say that I don't know which one it is. I haven't talked to him, but that's good. And it's also good that it's not going down. So, you know, he was, he was more 97, 98 last year. Uh, and this year he was kind of more 96, 97. So, you know, to get that back, a little bit of velocity back, that was good. The curve, we know that curves are better with velocity. That's good. Uh, but then there's another thing that I think is also good, and I don't know if it's just health that would do this. Uh, he's had mostly a flat uh, a flat fastball, especially the four seam. Uh, the average four seam is like minus six and a half, about six and a half inches of, of arm side run. And uh, last year his four seam had five inches of arm side run which was already the best he'd ever done. So he, he'd had a flat four seam and it's, you know, he's been working at it and working at it. This is the best, this is the year he's had the best horizontal movement on his four seam that he's ever had. And if you do it uh, by month, it's gotten better with every month. Okay. That that's impressive for Ventura. So, so there is something behind the improvement. And again, this, this wasn't a, a wreck year season, kind of performance from him, but it was definitely disappointing because, you know, like I said, he was the 34th pitcher off the board, but even more so than, than, uh, some of the guys ahead of him that we've talked about, Ventura was pushed up pretty high in some leagues. I'd see him go a little bit lower than, uh, you know, just outside the top 20 or, or, you know, late twenties among starters. And it was just, it was somebody that I, I wasn't as high on this year. One of my correct calls, but of course, I, I liked the two guys that we weren't going to talk about either, Samarja and Tehran. So I don't, I didn't get them all right this year. I'm not trying to suggest <laughs> that by any stretch. But uh, okay, so going forward, going to be 25 next year. Has, I like him best out of everybody we've talked. Okay, that, he's your fave. He's 25. Uh, the change hasn't been great this year, but he he added some arm side run on the change as long along with the fastball. So whatever he's doing, if it's arm slot or 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 grips or whatever he's he's finding more run 
and that run has directly translated to more ground balls. Uh, he's turning, he's always had good whiff rates, and now he's turning more of those whiff rates into strikeouts. So we have another guy here that belongs in our geo conversation. He just didn't make my, my innings cut off because he has eight strikeouts per nine, 50 ground, 50% ground ball rate. Is he going to have the same BABIP next year? Like, it's actually hard for me to figure out how he has that ERA and whip because even the BABIP is 307 and the walk rate is about league average. So it's, it, it's almost a mystery to me what's going on here, but I do like the whiff rate. I do like the velocity. I think the curve is a big league pitch. The change has had better results in the past, and he's making everything a little better um, with this horizontal movement. So uh, I think the the pieces are all still there, and there's plenty of pitchers who have taken 300 innings to to figure it out. Oh, certainly. No, no, we're we're not in the danger. I think it's just the the nature of, of, of today's fantasy game that we put the pressure to be a complete product right away, especially after we see a big first season like, like Ventura had last year. But no, I mean, falling back a little bit this year isn't the end of the world. How much of it you think then is just kind of him learning the finer points of pitching a little bit? Uh, he, he has the foundational skills. Maybe he just needs to get better at, at you know, picking the right pitches, executing uh, his pitches in the tough situations. I mean, the, the, the stuff we can't quantify. How much of it you think is that since you can't see how he got to a 420 or a 130 with these skills for Ventura? Well, I mean, I like that he's using the curve more. And, you know, his pitches are starting to – he was very fastball heavy when he first came up, Love in love with his fastball. Now his pitches are starting to converge. And in terms of percentages, people are less likely to know what's coming. Um, and uh, and I think he's it is a bit of the transition, not to sound too trite, but uh, is the transition from throwing to pitching a little bit. Absolutely. And uh, I think you can see it. You know, it, a young guy like him comes up uh, 320 ERA, throwing 95. The Royals go to the postseason, you know, and then this, this year has been a little different. The, he's been sent down. Uh, the ERA isn't good. He's been in trouble. He's been suspended. Um, you know, it, it, the people are questioning. I'm sure there's been columns about uh, him being a head case oh, in yeah. Kansas City. You know, Absolutely. I'm sure. I'm sure that you know this year he kind of has has looked up at some point and been like, "This is uh, this is not how I expected everything to go." Yeah, so what happened to last year when I was the phenom and you right. know I'm standing up there at six feet blazing 101 and Everything is going well, you know, at least to maybe help help him kind of get through it with the personal. At least the team continued to have success. You know, imagine right. if, if this kind of world was crumbling and the Royals also backslid the way many of us projected uh, quite wrongly. I might add I had them fourth in the division. Nice call, Paul. But, um, you know, that would have been worse for him. So thankfully, the team was there to kind of still be killing it. And Yordano Ventura could kind of get himself right. And again, closing strong. So that's why I wanted to bring him up, too. I, I I agree with you, though, I th- uh, that he probably has the most promise on this list. I, sh- I still like Kashner a little bit more, but uh, I-, I totally get why you have Ventura highest. These next two might actually trump both of them, though. We're going to pair them together because they're kind of the the guys who were picked to be fantasy aces. So it doesn't necessarily mean that they were unmitigated aces among Major League Baseball, however you want to define that. But they were definitely fantasy aces. That's Jordan Zimmerman. And Corey Kluber. Now, Jordan Zimmerman was drafted as the 11th pitcher off the board, and now he sits 30th. Uh, Corey Kluber was 6th off the board, 
uh, or excuse me, eighth off the board, and he's dipped down to 18th. So not as big of a drop. You know, he's got that huge strikeout rate for Kluber and, and a great whip. So, again, not a, not a catastrophic season that is ruining every league that you're in where you got Kluber. But uh, both Zimmerman and Kluber greatly underperformed against expectations. Let's start with Zimmerman. I know this is in, in line with expectations. Like, this has to be in the in – the, uh, reasonable outcomes list for him if you're looking you know hey if, if things don't go perfectly but they don't horribly crash this is the kind of season he could have a 368 era a 121 whip uh 7.5 strikeouts per nine which is 163 and 196 innings with 13 wins not the end of the world but you needed more given what you paid for zimmerman right yeah yeah at, at least with the whip some people are crowing that this was coming all along because he lets too many balls in play. Well, they they would they have a a, a bullet in their in, in their arsenal now. You know, it's something on their side uh, to kind of back that up. I always thought that that you know, I always thought that he could spike the strikeout rate even another step further if he really wanted. I th- I feel like that he's kind of in control of that if he wants, but he knows that it's taxing. Uh, Zimmerman does to kind of go for strikeouts, and so he opts for the, the the kind of three and out, if you will, three pitches and done that David Price preaches a lot too. And obviously, he still gets plenty of strikeouts, so it can, they, the two can kind of live together. But uh, instead of weak contact this year, it it it's it's been. It, damaging contact it hasn't necessarily been an influx of hard contact um, using the hard contact rate it's tied for his second highest year and I guess it's tied for really his highest year the highest mark that Zimmerman has was 32 percent but that was in 31 innings back in 2010 which I believe is his Tommy John return so we're going to say it's tied for his highest full season at 30 percent so but that was the same last year and he had a great season so I don't think it's necessarily that Home runs shot way up for him, just as they did for Scherzer in the second half. Strikeouts jumped back down, but still his second best rate ever for a full season. So what happened with Jordan Zimmerman in your estimation? Yeah, to some extent, he's a two-pitch pitcher. I mean, he's never really trusted his changeup, and this year it's zero. I mean, I don't know how many he's thrown, but it might be five all year. And, uh, you know, his previous high was 5%. So it's, you know, it's almost like he doesn't have a change and he's kind of forcing him to slide a curve guy. That's fine. Except that, you know, his, his curve percentage last year dipped to a career low, uh, at 8%. And, uh, then he kind of, I think he probably needed to get through the lineup a couple more times. Uh, so he threw the curve more this, this year. It had the second best whiff rate of his career, but, uh, they spanked it. Uh, 150 ISO, um, 168 ISO against the forcing, but 150 against the curve. They still couldn't hit his, his slider. He's still got that good slider. But, um, you know, I think some of it is searching for a third pitch. Okay. And I don't know, maybe, you know, he's put the curve, you know, it kind of was, was going down in usage every year, um, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, how he's using it. It was, you know, he used it a lot, and then there was the Tommy John uh, and I think he probably didn't want to use it as much, and now he's finally using it again. Maybe he's hanging them, you know. Maybe he's just he's throwing more curves. Maybe he's hanging them. It's I'm looking for a, a measure of of hanging curveballs. But I, that, uh, that's right. You are working on something to kind of get to a better uh, identification for that, instead of obviously just the ones that we can see when we're watching, because obviously we can't watch 
every single yeah. game, every single pitch. I try. But, uh, you know, Brandon McCarthy gave me some ideas about which counts I should look in. Uh, because the the the, uh, the get him over, you know, the called strike curveball looks a little different, um, and is is thrown to be in the zone, and is, you know sometimes thrown slower, so that could look like a hanging curveball, but it was actually thrown in a strike in a in a count where they weren't uh, expecting the hitter to to swing, and so they were kind of throwing it for command. Uh, so I think uh, I'm going to try and focus on uh, one one and two one counts curveballs okay. and uh and look at the difference you know the the sort of standard deviation of movements look at how how spread out the movements are in those counts alone because i think in those counts you almost always want to bury it and i think a hanging curveball has less movement and is more likely to end up in the zone or likely to end up higher so uh, between those two measures i hope to find you know hanging curveballs i think for a guy uh, who has great command uh, of his other pitches and then just upped one pitch a little bit, maybe he's just not commanding that pitch like he, pitch, he commands his other pitches. I mean, if you look across his line, so much of what he's done this year is the same as exactly as what he did last year, except he doubled the home run usage. And that's something you mentioned. And, you know, it's, it's hard to say. You probably say it won't continue. Um, but it is interesting to look at all the projections saying it will continue. So I know answering about him for the future is particularly tough because uh, he's going to be a free agent and there's almost no chance that they resign him. So he's going to be in a new club. And so obviously the, the fit has to be there for you to feel comfortable about investing. But let's just say he goes to a neutral spot, a team that's good-ish, you know, uh, that we're not going to think is a bottom feeder with a, with a solid uh, park. We'll just say that, you know, I know again, it's not great, but obviously if he goes to Coors, you're not going to love him. And if he goes to, you know, PNC, you'll probably be giddy for him. Let's just say it's somewhere in the middle. How are you feeling about Jordan Zimmerman at age 30 next year? I think I just probably won't, I won't pay the price. Cause you don't think it'll drop enough, uh, based on this season because this season's not going to jump out as god awful and, and send him down the ranks i think ventura has a chance to plummet down the ranks just because his era is north of four so when people are kind of perusing leaderboards less, less track record too i mean it's just yeah you know maybe there's a little bit of prospect excitement about him but i think most of that's come off and agreed zimmerman you're looking at you know four straight seasons of of and like a lot of people have argued about Jordan Zimmerman, a lot of, you know, judging from pieces I've read about, written about Jordan Zimmerman in the con comments and chats, there are a lot of people out there who defend Jordan Zimmerman. So uh, I would look at the fact that he's only had a strikeout rate over eight, uh, eight per nine once. And I understand that I've read some of the things he said, and I understand that he's, some of this is a, a conscious choice, but I, I feel like at this point he's settling into this conscious choice and he's, this I is agree there. And, and yeah. And as you get older, you're not going to have the choice to go back. Your stuff won't be good enough. You know, well, so I mean, I, he, the change I, looks I, like it's gone, you know? Yep. So, and then, and we saw what it was like for him to bring back the curve and throw it more. So, um, you know, that doesn't, it doesn't look like unless he commands the curve better next year and, you know, he gets back up to that 9% whiff rate and maybe gets eight strikeouts. But, you know, at 31, you're not really expecting these things. You're kind of expecting it to go the other way. So, um, you know, just the lack of strikeouts in a league right now where everyone's striking everybody out and it's easier to get these kind of strikeouts. Um, he doesn't have the kind of ground ball rate 
that I, like a geo that makes them safer. And then Zimmerman's going to cost like twice as much as Giro. So that's the thing too. Kind of, you know, a couple of years ago, it looked like he was kind of choosing between the ground ball rate and the strikeout rate. Well, this year it's a pedestrian strikeout rate at 20% and it's a poor ground ball rate at 42%. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you there as, as I watch Zimmerman pitch. And now we're looking at one right season now. of the ground ball rate, you know? Yeah, exactly. Now, now it stands out uh, as just one time. That's the outlier, not something that he's doing so no i i hear you on that i don't think the price will drop far enough to where i feel all that comfortable investing in him again unless he ends up in a cushy spot that enhances his value inherently and uh i'm not i, I don't know where he's going to go so we'll speculate on that during the winter and then the last guy is Corey kluber and again not some fall from grace that obliterated your season but i think people were really you know they're they're looking back after getting last year's Cy Young winner, uh, and they want better than a 3.62 ERA and uh, an eight Ws, as I mentioned. So he's got a 3.62 ERA, 107 WHIP, which is fantastic. Almost 10 strikeouts per nine, which is amazing. 236 in 214 innings, and that's what props up his value. That kind of volume, both with the innings and the strikeouts, that's huge. That makes up for the mistakes, uh, you know, or, or, or the deficiency, as it were, with wins and ERA. But why wasn't Kluber more dominant this year? We still saw flashes of the excellence, but too many ugly starts, and I don't know that they can all go on the defense. He had five starts of five-plus earned runs, three starts with uh, with 10-plus hits. You know, he was getting hit around a lot, still getting a ton of strikeouts. Weird season because he wasn't getting hit around regularly. It was just these these certain outings where he'd give up 13 hits, and then the next outing he'd, he'd have a no-hitter into the ninth inning. So it was a really weird season for Kluber. Basically just stuck with him all year. What else could you do? I wasn't going to trade out at any sort of low point. But uh, I expected more from the Klubot. Yeah, and I'm a little worried about him. He strikes me a little bit like, uh, you know, this is a weird comp. Uh, who was uh, who was that uh, le- like left fielder with the Padres and the Reds? Um, Reggie Sanders? No, that uh, he, he came on late. And it was a uh, was like a twenty like twenty seven or twenty eight um, before he he really got going, um, and then he was he was gone kind of early. Anyway, there's there's I think there's something to be said for you know the later bloomers having to be closer to their peak. I've talked about this sometimes. They have to be closer to their peak um, to uh, to be relevant and to be good, right? What, t- what time frame was this? I'm going to find this guy, so just give me some more help here. What- I think he retired like two or three years ago, so if you looked at like the 2011 Reds or something. Okay, I'll, I'll find it. Believe, believe you me. Ludwig. Oh, okay, yeah, Ryan Ludwig. Ryan Ludwig. Yeah. Wait a minute. Wasn't Kluber part, part of the Ludwig trade? Isn't that how he got? Yeah. Padres to Indians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. So he was part of that. Anyway, that's that's irrelevant. But uh, to your point, you were making the, the comparison that you know he bloomed later, but then he's it went closer. Away. And then and then and, and aspects of the way he bloomed make me a little nervous too. In that um, he uh, he doesn't like even his sinker is not that good. Like he didn't have a good four seam, and it was it was getting smacked around, and he admitted it. So he went to the two seam. Well, that's a great, that's great, and it was working for him, but the two seems not that good. Yeah, so, that's unfortunate. You know, so, I mean, if you look at, 
uh, like whiff percentages on the two seam, uh, 4%, uh, 5%. He's just, you know, okay. And then the grounder rate on the sinker, 44%, 48%, 50%. You know, it's, um, it's not, it's not, it's definitely not a standout pitch, right? So let's say he found his best fastball and, uh, and, um, that's been part of why he's been good. Well, the weirdest thing is he's using the four seam again if Rooks can be can be believed. And the four seam is getting a lot of whiffs probably because nobody expects it, but it's also giving up a 203 slugging. And um, so, you know, he's probably using it because nobody expects it and it can kind of mix things up and it's getting 11% whiff rate and he loves it. But when somebody does expect it, it's back to being that old crappy pitch. Um, you know, I asked him once if he ever would consider uh, using his cutter as his primary pitch. And, uh, you know, if you go year to year, uh, his sinker this year, 29%, cutter 28%. He's almost there. Oh, okay. He kind of told me he didn't He didn't think that was a good idea. But, uh, in terms of, you know, in terms of whip percentages, uh, the, the cutter gets a lot of whiffs. Maybe it's maybe it's strenuous, or maybe he just he's worried about it because it's um, you know it's an 89, 90 mile an hour pitch, where his sinker is like ninety one, ninety two. Uh, so he's a little bit you know worried about doing that. I mean, I don't think that he's gonna he's gonna fall off a cliff, you know, completely. But I'm not sure that we're gonna see that Cy Young season again. I think I think what we're seeing this year is kind of who he is. Because he's, if you talk about what are you going to see in a bad fastball guy, you're going to see home runs. Yeah, and that, and that's the quickest way to destroy an outing and and boost an ERA and make and it it's, go it's the away. Biggest, it's the biggest difference if you look across his sort of standard peripherals lines. The biggest yeah. difference from last year, he gave up .53 homers last year and .93 this year. Otherwise, command good, swing strikes good, strikeouts pretty good. You know, so every you know he's. He's if if he's going to throw that four seam more too, I think um, you know we're going to see some homers. So it's nice that he works in Cleveland, uh, but he does work in the heart of the league. And I don't think I'd project, you know, maybe take a couple points of ERA off, but you know, even the projections that have him like steamer three hundred four one hundred nine, um, you know, maybe I don't know. I think that uh, there's a little bit of a bad fastball guy hiding in there. So are you thinking closer to like 330 with a, with a really good whip or, or, yeah. or, or this 362 that we saw this year? Well, guys with the high strikeout rate are supposed to have, um, you know, some uh, better strand rates than the league average. So his 70% strand rate might actually be a little bit low. And if you look, I think um, Zips and Steamer have now incorporated this philosophy from – that was a Sierra a finding that if you have um, – if you have uh, good strikeout rates, you have good strand rates. And if you look at Zips and Steamer, they're all projecting him to have better strand rates going forward. So, um, you know, okay, maybe that'll help uh, keep his ERA down a little bit. Uh, they are not actually projecting him to have much better home run luck. Um, so, you know, they, you know, they're going to go into like 315. Yeah, I, I, you know, like I'm not a projection system in my head. Uh, but I, I, I just, I feel much better being like a 350, 340 guy, uh, than, um, necessarily paying for him to be like a top six guy next year. Top six. You don't, you don't see, do you see any, do you see any fall off? Do you see, are you worried at all? I mean, uh, 30, uh, he's gonna be 30 next year. Um, I'm not, 
that worried. It's but cost the top six, top ten prices, I think. Well, I'm, I'm still in the top ten. I'm not quite in the top six there. I'm actually making some preliminary lists because, as you know, we're, we're about a month out from, from Arizona Fall League at First Pitch Forums with Baseball HQ, and we do a draft out there. I'm, I I join the NFBC draft that they do every year there, and I've you know started to make my lists. I don't like to go in there empty-handed and just kind of uh, you know see to my pants. I've got them right around that. 9 to 12 mark. I'm kind of vacillating. Obviously, he's sitting 11 right now, but I could bump him up a couple spots. I could maybe move him down who's, to 12. Who's low on your list right now? Um, right, right above him is Chris Sale and Garrett Cole. Right after him uh, is is Harvey. Yeah. So You I, know, I might move Harvey up one. Uh, and then Cooper but, back to uh, 12. Yeah, but I, but, uh, but I like... Uh, I like Sale and uh, and uh, Cole above him. I might, you know, might go Cole Harvey Sale, but I think I would take Sale over Kluber. I mean, just so on some level, it's like look at their stuff. And I yeah. know that Kluber has that great breaking ball, but but you got to be able to get to it. Sale is fire, you know. Sale exactly. is throwing. Sale throws three really, really good pitches. Sale's unreal, and I, I might even have him too low. Um, where I've got him, it's just it, it, it's it's rich right now. Pitching is, and of course, these are just preliminary lists. Probably alter them a million times before we even get out to Arizona. But um, we have to get going. You know, uh, it is almost seven o'clock in the evening. I want people to have their their podcasting capability since we deprived them of that last night. Uh, they'll get a chance to tonight. Are we coming back later like this week? Hear us, hear us on the way to work tomorrow, but that's okay too. That, 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 that's probably true. Are we, are we are we doing another one tomorrow? I, I didn't ask you this off air, so we'll just talk about it on air. I think we'll probably uh, settle into once a week now. Okay, yeah. So we'll we'll probably do Wednesdays most, or, you know, or, or one of those three days: Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday. Kind of how schedule fits. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll ease up. We'll start to do look back and then look ahead. We'll talk some AFL probably at some point since we are going. Uh, maybe we'll do a little bit of preview of what we're hoping to see and then talk talk about what we did see. Maybe me, you, and Jason could do a, a pod trio where we all okay. talk about our AFL experience. That could be something that could be good. So we're not going away. It just won't be as frequent, which I'm sure doesn't surprise anybody. What about, a, what about a drunk pod? Well, you won't be drunk, but how about a drunk podcast, a drinking podcast from AFL? I would love to host that with you two. That would yeah. be a lot of great fun for me. So I'm down for that idea as well. Folks, I'll make that happen for you. I have to do that. Um, or just record. We'll just record a little bit and, and stick it in the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Just have little... <laughs> You know, while we're playing poker and you guys are arguing about a pitcher, I put on the recorder real fast and get some nice <laughs> slurred defense of Clay Buckholtz from Jason about how great he is. It'll be it'll be fantastic. So we'll definitely do that. But yeah, um, Jason and I might be back on the weekend, but Eno and I'll definitely be back next week. Hope you all had a great season. Thank you so much for listening all year. Again, don't stop listening. It just won't be as frequent. And always hit us up with questions that you might have. Some of you in daily leagues coming down to the wire, feel free to send us your questions. I'll answer your do I start him today for these next couple days. That's at Spore, S-P-O-R-E-R, and at Eno Saris, E-N-O-S-A-R-R-I-S. Eno, have a good one, man. Yeah, and I just wanted to say thanks again for listening all year. Uh, You know, as we're – you know, going to the off season, it's a lot easier for us to dedicate uh, a series uh, or, uh, or a podcast to a certain, you know, a certain thing. So 
um, now is a great time to get us to talk about exactly what you want us to talk about. So, yeah, absolutely. But, uh, There's certain things. Thanks. Thanks Obviously, again. Obviously, we're doing the under 25 stuff too. We're open to ideas. We'll probably do a pitcher month. I think we'll probably do a pitcher off season. <laughs> we're done talking about hitters. No more hitter talk. No, I'm kidding. All right, you know, I got to get going. I'll talk to you later. All right, bye.